Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Joshua and chapter number 1. Joshua and chapter number 1, are you there? And stand with me, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Joshua chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin with verse number 1, and we're going to read responsively down through verse number 9. Joshua chapter number 1, and reading responsively down through verse number 9. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass... That the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And together on verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You likely have heard in the news in recent days, a phrase being chanted, uh, quoted by those who position themselves as enemies of the nation of Israel. It is derived from the word of God. We read it in verse number four. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, from the river to the sea, even spoken in the halls of Congress by elected officials. It is a phrase used by the enemies of God's chosen people. And if the sworn enemies of God's chosen... By the way, they don't make any bones about it. They make no bones about it. There is no no two-state solution. The enemies of God won't be satisfied until they push the nation of Israel into the Mediterranean Sea. They don't want peace. 
They want the annihilation of God's people. And that is not a new hatred, dear friend. Satan hates God. And a hatred for God's people and and, uh, God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, of whom we read right here in Joshua, are not in fellowship with their God as a nation, as a whole right now. They're estranged from their God. But uh, if your child is away from you, that doesn't mean you don't don't still love them. (laughs) And God still has a plan for the nation of Israel. And so I want to take this... uh, Chant, I want to take this little phrase from the river to the sea. I want to give it a spiritual application tonight. Because let me tell you something. The same enemy that liked to push the nation of Israel out of the promised land, the ancient promised land. And they, by the way, they just have a little piece of what, what was theirs. You get a map sometime and look at the Euphrates River. The mountains of Lebanon, the southern desert, the Euphrates, over to the Mediterranean Sea. And you see there's a lot of that land that's unclaimed. But the part of it that they do have, they like to push them right in the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, it kind of tells you something that the, uh, uh, your enemies would like to do the same thing tonight to you in your Christian life. They really would. Let's talk about it tonight from the river to the sea. Father, please, through the power of your Holy Spirit, oh God, help us to see we have real enemies, but we have a greater God. And I pray, God, you'll give us encouragement, hope tonight, and, and some, some courage of which we read a moment ago. Uh, I pray, and, and as a result, victory in our Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Twenty times altogether you find the phrase, a land of milk and honey in the Bible. We find it in Exodus chapter number 3, where God promised uh, that uh, to his people. I read it to you. God has come to Moses and, and saying, Moses, I want you to go and lead my people out. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Flowing with milk and honey. And that speaks of abundance and of blessing uh, uh, to you and I. We read about it in the book of Leviticus and chapter number 20. Uh, You shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things. Therefore, I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Uh, we read about it uh, in, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, we read about it in Numbers. And, uh, and, but we read about uh, in Numbers. Go to Numbers 32. I want you to see this one. Numbers 32. This is uh, the little section of Scripture. Brother Hamilton wrote a song from this text, and we've enjoyed that. But uh, Reuben and Gad uh, uh, were right at the promised land, and, uh, and, they, uh, and they got satisfied, they got complacent. And uh, here's what they said uh, in uh, Numbers 32. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad, the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and uh, to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation saying, and they named these cities, verse 4, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation is a land for cattle. 
and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession and bring us not over Jordan. Bring us not over Jordan. Now, in the Bible, the land of Egypt represents a life of bondage. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? There, people talk about freedom. I want to get out from under all these rules. I want to get out from my, under my parents' thumb. I want to get out of this. I got to go to church. I want to go. I want to be free. Now, let me tell you something. The devil's a liar. Freedom is the right to do what is right to do. Amen. That's freedom. And uh, and and you say, well, I, I want to do. I, I can make my own choices. Yes, you can. But as we said. Uh, you can make your choices, but your choices make you. You don't get to choose the consequences of your choices. You can choose, but you can't choose the consequences. And sin always brings bondage. Sin always brings bondage. And young people, listen to me carefully. You will not be the exception. You won't be the exception. And uh, so Egypt in the Bible is a type of the lost man, unsaved, under the bondage and shackle of sin. But we have the Red Sea. When God came and told Moses, I go down to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go, took 10 plagues, the final uh, plague being the death angel. And we have the beautiful Passover story uh, given first there, a beautiful picture of Christ, the Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb. And they left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and boy, they were in a tight spot and the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army in hot pursuit on the other side and God told Moses, use that old rod, he lifted that rod and God parted the Red Sea, amen. And the nation of Israel walked over on dry ground and the Red Sea is a picture of salvation. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the Red Sea. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so in the Bible we have typified the unsaved man of the world system and the unsaved man in Egypt. But then we have the Red Sea, the Crimson River. Amen. And we can be washed and we can be saved and we can come out of Egypt. Amen. I'd be glad you're not in Egypt anymore. I'm glad I'm not in Egypt anymore. From Egypt then and uh, crossing of the Red Sea, as you know, there was some wandering. Sadly, a lack of faith caused the nation of Israel to have to wander for 40 years total in the wilderness. They learned some valuable lessons there about dependence on God and God certainly sustained his people. But that wasn't what God had promised him. God didn't say, I'm bringing you out of Egypt so you can wander around for 40 years. <laughs> he said, no, I brought you out of Egypt so I could take you into a land of promise. Sadly, many Christians, that's where they are, pictured in the wilderness. They're just wandering around as a believer. Not yet have, not yet have they claimed the fullness of inheritance that God has for them. And uh, we could call that a victory, a life of victory in the Christian life, victorious Christian living. When you cross the Jordan River over into the land of promise, so I'm glad you got, how many of you saved, say amen, you say, not in Egypt anymore. Thank God for the Red Sea, the blood of Christ. We crossed the Red Sea and uh, we're saved. Now then we're headed to the promised land. By the way, it was an 11 day journey from the Red Sea to the border of the promised land. And it took them 40 years to get there. Actually, they got there first. And what did they happen? They got scared. They got afraid. And they turned back and wandered. But they finally got back 40 years later. Amen. 
And uh, Joshua would be the one to lead them across that Jordan River. And just as God had parted the Red Sea those four decades before, God did another miracle and parted the Jordan River. And the nation of Israel walked across once more with a magnificent display of God's power into the promised land. You and I tonight have been saved out of Egypt by crossing the Red Sea through the blood of Christ. We too have been in the wilderness and some of us too long in the wilderness and God is calling us to cross the Jordan over into the promised land to claim our inheritance and enjoy what God has prepared for us. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't want to leave a, lead a defeated Christian life. I want to lead a victorious Christian life. Amen. That's what I want. And I know that's what you want. I have a question for you. Have you claimed your inheritance as a Christian? Have you received all that God has for you in the Christian life? I have a long sermon tonight. It's three points. 82 subpoints under each point. But no, I have three points. Here's my first point. We can have as much of our spiritual inheritance as we can take. We can have as much of our spiritual inheritance as we can take. Do you know what God had told the man of God? He said, he said, every place the sole of your foot touches, I have given that to you. Amen? Now go out there and get it. Go out there and get it. Have you received uh, the answers to prayer that God has in store for you. I've heard a little story told and retold how uh, one day we might get to heaven, you know, and God open up a, a treasure house for us and, and show us wonderful things inside. And uh, we may ask, uh, what are those treasures there? And he may say to us, those are the things I had in store for you that I wanted to give you while you were on earth, but you never asked me for them. You have not, why? Because you what? Ask not. Have you received the answers to prayer? Have you received the spiritual power that is available to you? Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, the Lord promised his people. Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Hey, the fullness of the Spirit is available for you and I. Have you received the fullness of God's Spirit? Have you walked? Do you walk in spiritual power? Or are you anemic against the enemies that we face in the promised land? How about victory over sin? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. It is not God's will for us like Reuben and Gad to become complacent and sit on that side of the Jordan River. That is not God. God didn't save us out of Egypt to encamp just inside a life of victory. He saved us not only to cross the Red Sea, salvation, but for us to cross the Jordan River. I said we can have as much of God and our spiritual inheritance as we can take. You open to Joshua 1, look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen, you, the Christian life is to us what the promised land was 
to the nation of Israel of old. It is a land that flows with the milk of God's mercy and with the honey of God's grace and the milk of victory and the honey of power and the milk of joy and the honey of rejoicing. Hey, we got some grapes here. Good night. Takes two men to carry a cluster of God's joy. And we got, we got, we got pomegranates of rejoicing as big as basketballs in the victorious Christian life. How come God's people aren't happy? How come God's people aren't rejoicing? Have we left some inheritance unclaimed tonight? God saved us out of Egypt to bring us into the promised land. And by the way, listen, I'm for all for getting folks saved. You know that I, that, that I am. I'm all for soul winning. I'm all for reaching everybody we can. But listen, God didn't just save us to keep us out of hell. God saved us uh, out of Egypt and unto himself. God wants us to live a victorious life. Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, so we also should walk in newness of life. Can I tell you something? You got to say, listen to me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Finish it. All things are become new. That means new friends, new habits, new music, uh, new lingo. Amen. How many of you don't say some of the things you used, well, at least not as often, as you used to say? <laughs> How many of your lingo is changing? Hey, that's what it's supposed to be. Amen. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, Nehemiah, <clears throat> uh, when he went back to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, <clears throat> he came back on one occasion and found that some of the enemies of God had been invited right back in to live among God's people. And he said, he said, and boy, he went into a rage, man. He was grabbing people by the hair of the head and uh, he, he took care of business. But here's what he said. He said, your kids speak with half, half the speech of Ashdod. He said, you, you, you talk like God's people half the time, and half the time you talk like the heathen. Now, we're God's people. We ought to have a new language, amen? You know, some people can't, some people can't even talk without spewing out four-letter words. That's sad. Get you a dictionary, friend. Amen? Learn some words, amen? Read a little bit. Broaden your vocabulary, amen? You can talk without being dirty. You can talk without being profane. You can talk without being worldly, Amen? Yes. Hey, we've been called to a life of victory. We sing the little song. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Is that your testimony tonight? Can you say the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore? I said, number one, we can have as much of our spiritual inheritance as we can take. Wherever our soul will go, the soul of our feet will go. Number two, this inheritance will not be taken without a fight. This inheritance will not be taken without a fight. Just like the enemies of Israel would love to push them off that promised land in the Mediterranean Sea. Can I tell you something? The enemy of God's people would love to push us back into the wilderness, into a decrepit Christian life, uh, hungry and thirsty and, and, and complaining and griping and no victory. Hey, the, the, our enemies would love to do the same. May I say this, dear friend, of those of you that have been saved and you want victory, you want newness of life, the enemy that you face, the enemies that you face are not going to roll over just because you crossed the Jordan. 
they're not going to roll over. The enemies of God's people were entrenched in the land. The Amorites were entrenched in Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. The Perizzites were entrenched in the valleys we read about in the Old Testament. We read of the Canaanites who had that mighty fortress called Jericho and, and also Ai. We read of the Jebusites who laid claim to what became the capital city uh, of Jerusalem, but they first resided there. The Anakims were in the mountain where Caleb would one day make his home. They were entrenched. They had built kingdoms and cities and they had abundance and they had wealth. But they had something else. They had the curse of God Almighty on them. Because of their sin, because of the rebellion against God, God had decided to conquer those enemies and give uh, their land, their cities to the nation of Israel. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen, some of the enemies, we, we look at enemies oftentimes as completely negative. But, but God uses enemies, first of all, to build us, to build our faith, and to bring honor and glory to his life. Did you ever think about this? You can't be a victorious Christian, uh, a Christian if you don't have a fight. You can't be a victory if you don't have a foe. Uh, you, you can't be a champion if you don't have a fight. And God has called us to a victorious life. Proverbs 13, 22 says, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You remember when the nation of Israel left Egypt? By the time they got to that 10th plague, plague, the Egyptians were unloading the treasures of their houses and they were, they were they were loading up the nation and said get on out of here and God laid up those treasures for his people amen that sustained them and can I tell you something God wants to do the same for you and I who are some of these enemies that will keep you from victorious Christian life how about how about your temper how about old anger how are we going to be our best for the Lord? How are we going to claim the promised land that God has given us if we don't get victory over our temper? The Bible said, be ye angry and sin not. Now, that's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin to let your anger control you. Amen? The Bible said several times that God is slow to anger. God wants us to be angry against sin. He's angry against sin. But God does not want us to be controlled by anger. Amen. And some of you may have that, that, that temper. And you may have that uh, attitude and that furrowed brow. And maybe that's the way you live as a Christian. Well, i got news for you. Why don't you just get a sword, sort of like uh, uh, David. He, uh, he hashed a sword one day, cut off a, a giant's head, giant named Goliath. Why don't you hoist a sword and cut off that temper? Amen. And, and claim what God has given you. Do you really think God wants you to go through the rest of your Christian life with an attitude? Do you now? I don't think so. Amen. Man, that's not, that's not sweet. That's not honey. How about bitterness? How about bitterness? Many a Christian have an enemy of bitterness that's keeping them from claiming all that God has for them. I'm talking about an unwillingness to forgive. I'm talking about Matthew 18 parable of the man that owed this great debt and he went to his creditor, and, and, and the creditor had every right to put him in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a debtor's prison, a massive amount of money. And he said, please, he fell down and said, please have mercy on me, and I'll do everything. I'll pay you back somehow, some way. And the man found mercy, a huge sum of money that he owed. 
He walked out of there with a smile on his face, having received what an, incre- an incredible gift of, of forgiveness of his debt, and walked down the street and found a man who owed him a few pennies, grabbed him by the neck of the neck, said, I want my pennies. And the man said, I just don't have them right now. Please give me a little time, and, I, and I'll pay you back, I promise. He said, you'll pay me right now. He said, but I don't have it to give you. He said, you pay me now. And he had the man thrown in debtor's prison over a few pennies. Somebody went back and told that man, said, you know what, that man, you forgave all that debt. He threw a man in jail for a few pennies. He said, I'm recalling the debt. And your Bible does say that if you refuse to forgive others, that he will not forgive you. That's not talking about salvation. Listen, you can't get your prayers answered with unconfessed sin. And God said, don't come and ask me forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive someone else. Ephesians 4.31 Turn to it with me, would you please? It's familiar, but I want you to see it. Ephesians chapter 4. These, if you're young in the Lord, I would encourage you to commit these to memory. Ephesians in chapter 4, last handful of verses in the chapter, verse 31. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness. Can I ask you a question, church family? Aren't you tired of that bad taste in your mouth? Aren't you tired of that bad taste in your mouth? That grudge, that disdain. I just don't like that person. Aren't you tired of that taste in your mouth? Let all bitterness and wrath, that's deep-seated, and anger and clamor, that's getting in an uproar, and evil speaking, trashing somebody else, talking bad about somebody, be put away from you with all malice. Malice is behavior intended to hurt someone else, to hurt their reputation in particular. Be put away from you with all malice. Throw that out too. Oh, it's so tender, so sweet. Read it with me. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, God wants us kind. He wants us tender. He wants us forgiving. He says, I don't know if I can forgive. But don't you think if God the Father could forgive us for Jesus' sake, maybe we could forgive each other for Jesus' sake. Amen. How about worldly ambition? Is that an enemy that's going to keep you? Young people, i got a question for you. How about worldly ambition? I'm not speaking against being successful, even as the world calls success. If the world calls success, uh, uh, building a successful business or whatever, uh, that's not necessarily. Good night, R.G. Letourneau and John Welch and many other men who uh, yielded their lives uh, to the Lord. Uh, God gave them incredible wisdom. A holy abs abound even today. And I'm not saying that in and of itself. But as a life's ambition, it ought to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul wanted to be known as the man who stamped out Christianity. But God turned that around, didn't he? Amen. And think about Bruce Fry giving his testimony up here. How that he was always on the cusp of hitting it big. And then later on when God saved his soul, he said, Thank God, thank God I didn't get caught up fully in that world. And God used it to save his soul. Dear brother, has been here a couple of times. And, uh, and went on to play in the NBA. And I was visiting him in his home. And, uh, and he's telling me a little about that. He didn't get saved till he's in his 30s. And, uh, and I said, sound like to me 
that the Lord didn't let all that happen so you can get saved. And his wife said across the room, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen, uh, 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 worldly ambition. There's nothing wrong with being successful. Good night, uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and uh, uh, Daniel and many of God's choicest servants uh, were, were, were incredible men of means. I'm not speaking against that, but I'm speaking about that, loving that more than you love the will of God. Amen. You ought to be willing to give every bit of it at a moment's notice if God asks you to do something for him. Worldly ambition is the enemy of some. Some will never reach their potential for God. Never, never lay up treasures in heaven because they're chasing mammon, chasing the dollar bill their whole life. How about the, uh, how about the enemy of rebellion? Can I tell you something? Listen, if you cannot sit under authority, if you cannot learn to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, no, sir. Listen, look at me. Some of you in a bad way already. You're used to ignoring your parents. I got news for you. It's going to bite you. It's going to bite you. Now you do it sweetly. But it's rebellion. It's what it is. It's what it is. And you won't be the exception. No, sir. God has told us to submit to him. Amen. Amen. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You're going to have a hard time resisting the enemy because you haven't submitted to him. And to submit to God, Romans chapter 13, is to submit to the God-appointed authorities in your life. Against authority, against God's plan for your life. This whole world is topsy-turvy for crying out loud. Listen, if you're a man, thank God you're a man. Now if you're a man, then be a man. For crying out loud, be a man. Be the provider. Be the protector. Amen? Be a decent man. Be a pure man. Be an honest man. Be a hardworking man. If you're a lady and God's given you a role, fulfill it. Love it. Amen? What bunch of men want to be? Why would a man want to be a woman? Except to win a woman's track meet or something. What kind of satisfaction is in that? But ladies, listen, you young girls, listen to me. Listen, you, listen you, you aspire to be a servant and a helper. God made you such an, and listen, that is, that's what God made, that's how God suited you. Listen, we men would be so pathetic without you ladies. You ladies are saying, you like that, don't you? We would, we are, we're pathetic. Pathetic. Man says, I don't want any woman in my life. Uh, you might shoot up high, but you won't step very long. No. Girls, you be the kind of lady God wants you to be. Amen. Be a servant. You girls, listen. Serve your dad. Serve your dad. Serve your dad. Hey, by the way, boys, you want to know how she's going to treat you? Look the way she treats her dad. She ignores her dad. She's going to ignore you. She smarts off to her dad. She's going to smart off to you, buddy. Amen. All right, we better keep on going here. Sometimes people can be our enemies. Criticism. Attacks on our character. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest things ever happened to you and I is hit with a little friction now and again. First of all, it keeps us humble. Amen? Listen, you know what most criticism, it's got some truth in it, doesn't it? That's why it stings. 
Don't disregard criticism out of hand. You, you consider it. Amen? Now, don't, don't uh, shrink at it. But if somebody has a, points a finger at you, you ought, to, you ought to at least think about what they said because there's probably some truth in it. Amen? And it's good for us once in a while to hear somebody else's perspective of our own life. Amen? And we have a high opinion of ourselves for the most part. How about the old devil? He's an enemy, right? You think the devil's going to get up, give up? You think the devil said, well, they crossed the Jordan. Well, I guess I'll just sit on my hands the rest of the life. No. The devil's going to be after you. And John 8, 44 says he's a liar and the father of lies. And those fiery darts that Ephesians uh, talks about are his lies. And he's going to come after you. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to listen. You have to get in this book. Remember the victory that we read about there a while ago? <clears throat> and Joshua, take the land, be strong. What did he say? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. The Bible talks about success and success is knowing this book and letting your life be guided by this book. Amen. You're not going to slay your enemies if you're not a man or woman of this book right here. You're not going to. You might have some success as a world called success, but you'll find out that's a hollow success, a truly successful life and a victorious life is with somebody gets this book right here and it might be read on the cover but it's not just read on the outside it's read on the inside amen and studied and wept over the old devil comes along and says to you God's not really good but if you're a man of the book you know that truly God is good the devil comes along and says God doesn't love you but if you're a woman of the book you know that he loves us with an everlasting love the old devil comes to you and says, yeah, you know, your father betrayed you and God's like your father. But a person of the book says, no, God is not a man. <laughs> He's God, amen. And lie after lie. <coughs> the devil comes along and says, you're a victim. Uh, no, 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 I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us, amen. The devil comes along and says, you're not worth anything. And my Bible tells me that I'm loved with an everlasting love. Old devil comes along and says, you're not responsible for your sinful choices. And my Bible says, oh, listen to me. You don't blame the, next, the generation before you uh, for the bitterness in your mouth. Your dad ate some sour grapes and now you got a bitter taste. No, sir. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Personal responsibility, the Bible teaches you. On and on and on we go with the old lies the devil tells us. How about the carnal flesh? Romans chapter 7. Let's wind her down. Romans chapter 7. Boy, you talk about an enemy. The devil's, the devil's an enemy. Boy, he wants, he, 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 put, he wants to push us back into the sea. But uh, we got a bigger enemy than the devil to worry about. And it's the one we look at in the mirror every day, isn't it? Public enemy number one in my Christian life and yours is myself, my old flesh. Paul said it this way, verse 14 of Romans 7, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin, or my sin nature, if you will, that dwelleth in me. For I know, and by the, buddy, you better know this about yourself too. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Which is why, listen, which is why you and I ought never trust our flesh. 
in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. The want to is there. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, that I intend to do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Here it comes. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Yes, we can have victory. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. You're in Romans. The next book is 1 Corinthians. And go right to the end of it to chapter number 15. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? As we close, <coughs> this disdain for the, for the nation of Israel, this anti-Semitism, as we call it in our modern culture, is, is blatant. Is blatant. I understand at least one of those uh, sorry presidents of Ivy League University, at least one of them resigned. Every one of them ought to, they ought, every one of them ought to be fired. Can't denounce a hatred for the Jewish people and a desire... A, a, a desire for them to be annihilated, they can't denounce that. They stumble all over themselves and talk in circles. This hatred for the people of God is not going away. It is going to culminate one day. You and I are leaving at the rapture. Thank God for that. Amen? And a man's going to come on the stage. He's a world leader. He's going to be possessed by Satan himself. He's going to be a man of peace for three and a half years. He's going to broker a peace deal between all those folks that chant from the river to the sea. He's going to broker a, a peace deal with all those nations and the nation of Israel. And he's going to set up his, his, his authority and he is going to bring all the nation. It's a crisis. All these folks have disappeared. The world's got to, we have to have a global system. We got to cooperate. All these nations got to quit fighting. We got to come together. There's something against us as a, as a, as a globe, as a planet. Our planet's going to be destroyed and we got to come together and he's going to be a slickster and he's going to be successful and he's going to gather the nations of the world together. Some of them are going to be a little stubborn about it but he's going to be able to broker a peace deal and for three and a half years he's going to call the world to join this global cause and we're going to have a, a, a globe all be at peace and we're going to have we're not going to be individual nations we're going to have all worship together every religious value is going to be treated just the same nobody's as better than so we're all coming together in brotherly love and we're going to get rid of our all these different monies we're all going to have the same money system and we're going to all have the same governance and we're all going to have the same religion and he's going to bring the world together and after three and a half years all those stubborn people who didn't buy into what he was saying those who got grandma's Bible that grandma left after she was raptured out and got born again and a bunch of them are going to get born again and, 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 and they're, they're, they're going to be stubborn and after three and a half years he's going to go into the temple that's been rebuilt in Jerusalem and take a pig and slay it on the altar and he's going to say I am your leader I am your God and you worship me or you're going to get your head cut off and people are going to be hunted down for the last three and a half years of tribulation and the nation of Israel is going to be once again going to be hated and the nation is going to gather around to wipe her off the face of the planet push her the rich into the mid-trained seat about that time here comes Jesus and here come you and I on white horses amen and he's going to deliver his people and set up and rule and reign for a thousand years in the millennium. Hallelujah. Well, I'm on the winning side. Aren't you glad to be saved tonight? 
Now you listen to me very carefully. You're not having any victory apart from Jesus Christ in your Christian life. A nation of Israel has no hope except for their God. And you and I have no hope except for a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And if you'll stay close to the Lord, you can have victory in your Christian life. Amen. Don't you want to get all the way to the Euphrates? Don't you want to get from the mountains of Lebanon down to the southern deserts? Don't you want all that God has for you? Hey, you got some giants? You got some enemies? Run them out. Old Caleb, 85 years old. He said, Joshua, you remember 40 years ago, I went up on that mountain. Had a pretty view up there. He said, oh yeah, I remember. He said, you know, I always thought I'd like to put me a log cabin up there. This is all in the Hebrew. He said, I always wanted to put me a log cabin, the big front porch on that mountain. Joshua said, you know, there's some giants that live up there. He said, oh, ain't no problem. He said, well, run the Anakims off. You can have your house up there. Gideon said, well, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago. I want that mountain. He said, go take it. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there a mountaintop property in your Christian life that the enemy still has that could be yours? Some joy, some victory over bitterness, resentment, anger, rebellion. What are you going to get? Don't, don't let Take what's yours. Amen. Take what's yours tonight. Shall we stand? Father, we love you.